Doings of Doyle is sponsored by Belanger Books, home of the best Sherlock Holmes anthologies featuring today's top Sherlockian authors. Belanger Books is the only authorised publisher of Solar Ponds Mysteries, continuing the Sherlock Holmes legacy into the 21st century. Visit them today at belangerbooks.com. Welcome to Doings of Doyle, a podcast dedicated to the works of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Professor Challenger, Brigadier Gerard, and of course, Sherlock Holmes. I'm Mark Jones. And I'm Paul Chapman. And together we'll be exploring Doyle's eclectic bibliography to understand more about the great man's life and work. We'll be discussing his fiction and non-fiction, the well-known and the obscure. And stopping by Baker Street along the way. You can find out more at doingsofdoyle.com or follow us at doingsofdoyle on Twitter. Hello and welcome to episode 24. Today, Paul and I are delighted to be joined by Ross Davies to talk about the new hub of Doylean activity, that is the ACD Society. Ross is a professor of law at George Mason University in Washington, D.C., where he teaches administrative law, civil procedure and legal history. He's the editor of The Green Bag, an entertaining journal of law, and its sister publications, which often touch on Doylean topics. He's an avid Sherlockian and Doylean, and a member of the Baker Street Irregulars with the entirely fitting investiture of The Temple. And his most recent work includes editing a masterpiece of villainy, the BSI Manuscript Edition of The Adventure of the Norwood Builder. And he's, well, something or other in the ACD Society. Ross, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. And we'll, we'll start with, the, with, the, with a, a very basic question, Ross, is, is how did you first become involved and interested in the Sherlockian and, and the Doylean world? Mm. Well, I think uh, this is probably a two-part answer. And the first part, <laughs> mm-hmm. as with so many of us, goes back to days before my hair was gray. <laughs> my mother, when uh, her children and my father's children were very young, used to read great literature to us in the tent at night when we were camping during Mm. summer times. And that, of course, included G.K. Chesterton and E. Nesbitt and Arthur Conan Doyle. And uh, the first nightmare that I can recall involved a speckled band. Uh, but, but she was a great reader. And of course the stories were great and, and I've enjoyed them ever since in later years, uh, when editing the green bag, this law journal, I wanted to do a special issue of one of our sister publications, uh, called the green bag almanac that focused on Conan Doyle and the law. And at that time, for whatever reason, I had no awareness whatsoever of the Sherlockian Doylean world mm. as a fan and literary community. I had simply never touched it. Uh, it's not that I was unaware of fan communities. I was involved in the Tolkien world, for example. Mm. Uh, but what I did was I called a, f- a friend who I knew to be a fellow enthusiast of this, uh, a judge on the highest court of appeals in the state of New York, and asked her about this. And her reply to me was, as I recall, I I would love to be involved with this, Ross, but I have a colleague on the bench named Albert Rosenblatt. Do you know Judge (laughs) Rosenblatt? And I said, yes. And she said, I think he knows more about this than I do. (laughs) So I called up Judge Rosenblatt, who I knew slightly at that point. 
and asked him uh, whether he had any interest in this. And if you know Judge Rosenblatt, he is a model of kindness and gentleness, as well as a brilliant lawyer. And there's this long pause on the phone. And he says, Ross, I have some friends I'd like to introduce you to. <laughs> and it was, of course, the Baker Street Irregulars. And I was immediately sucked into that vortex. <laughs> it was a descent into the maelstrom, but I've never come back up. Uh, and uh, that was about a half dozen years ago. And since then, it's been just a you know, sort of a long, wonderful, joyful ride. And in the course of that, I became aware of, among other things, the great work of of uh, Chris and Barbara Roden mm -hmm. uh, with the original Arthur Conan Doyle Society and had and became a great fan of their work as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's let's pick up on the on the on the society side of things, because the the ACD Society itself is not a. Well, there used to be a Conan Doyle Society, as you mentioned, back in the 90s. So why do you think it's important that there's a, a, a new society now? Well, uh, the same reasons that uh, that applied in the in the 1980s, 90s, uh, early 2000s for having the original society still apply today. And that is that Arthur Conan Doyle is a great literary figure. He's mm -hmm. uh He's not only a great writer and a great entertainer and a great thinker, but an important cultural force, an enduring cultural force. We should be paying attention to him and his mm. work. And that's easier for people to do if there's some sort of organized or semi-organized structure for doing this. And so it was a great thing when the rodents got this started decades ago. Mm. And uh, it's important to keep their work going. Uh, and by the way, it's also great fun. Although I know I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So the the new society, how did that come about then? The provenance of that is very easy. It's all because of Cliff Goldfarb and John Lellenberg, who called a meeting a couple of years ago in New York during the, the BSI's January weekend to uh, talk with a bunch of people who they thought might be interested in doing something like this, about doing something like this. Mm. And so... Uh, that ended up sort of informally uh, and with Cliff Goldfarb's blessing and uh, uh, shortly before he passed, also uh, with John Lellenberg's blessing mm. for us to do this the way we have done it. And in fact, uh, uh, Cliff is deeply involved in this and John would have been if he were still around, I am sure. Uh, and a number of the other people who were at that initial meeting in New York uh, are involved as well. Uh, so all credit to Cliff and John for, uh, in a sense, using the tinder of the original Arthur Conan Doyle <laughs> Society to, to spark a new fire. Yeah. Yes, uh, with the new society, Rossi, the, the old society ran along the lines of, 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 of having a, a, a full journal. Um, they, they didn't have a committee um, per se, but there, there was you know, a regular team around, around Chris and Barbara you know, of, of contributors and, and so on. Um, why have you you've decided with the new setup you, you, there's not going to be a regular publication or, or a committee? Uh, is there any specific reason for for choosing that sort of approach? Uh, I think there are there are two really. One uh, lightheartedly is personal, and one more seriously is institutional. And the lighthearted one is running a journal is a lot of work, and yes. I'm not particularly interested in work. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, the the other is that the informal, undocumented, but genuine mission of the ACD Society is to be, and I think it was, 
I can't whether it was you or Mark who at, at the very beginning of our conversation today referred to a hub. Mm -hmm. uh, but the ACD Society does not aspire to be a great weighty organization in its mm -hmm. own right. It inspires mm -hmm. to coordinate and to and to encourage and to incubate mm -hmm. uh, good work of other folks. And part of the motivation for that is goes back to, to your, your earlier question about about ACD himself, mm. which is that he is a, truly an odd character in literary mm. history in mm. that his most popular creations are as popular as the greatest cartoon characters <laughs> in literary history, right? And yet his, what he viewed, and, and some scholars view, as his weightiest, most significant, most intellectually impressive works are as great as the works of you know, some great novelists and historians. Mm, mm, mm. And so ACD invites a community of true scholars, true fans, and true fan hyphen scholars, and true mm. scholar hyphen fans. Yeah. And you know, the, the question is, how do all of those various superatomic particles exist mm. in one container, right? Mm. The answer is probably, it ain't going to happen because it's <laughs> it's it's at the same time too big and too volatile. And so what the ACD Society aspires to do is encourage all of those things at one time. Mm. Uh, and that means not doing everything itself at mm. one time. Mm. In addition, as a simple matter of institutional realism, the, the world doesn't need another great Doylean podcast. Right? <laughs> it's already got one. Right. Uh, so, you know, uh, at a at a more gestational stage, but still with great promise, there is the uh, uh, the Conan Doyle Review, mm. a serious sort of traditionally structured scholarly journal mm. to, uh, about Conan Doyle's work. We don't need two of those, mm. at least not at this stage. The, the mm. community isn't large enough to accommodate that kind of thing at this point. And so, uh, you know, in terms of being a hub for for the collection and study of Doylean material. Do we really need another entity trying to horn in on what's going on in Toronto with the, mm. the, the friends of the Arthur Conan Doyle collection there? Uh, does, <laughs> does Portsmouth Library really need our help? <laughs> no. Uh, what, what's needed is, is, or what we thought was needed, and, and the initial response suggests it was, is someone to, to, to encourage all of these groups to interact more. Yeah. Uh, and to do that in sort of an easy, friendly, comfortable way. And so uh, the ACD Society does have a publication, but mm. it's a tiny three or four times a year oversized postcard <laughs> that, that flags interesting things, right? Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we hope to organize, if, with any luck, starting next year, uh, you know, a conference once every couple of mm. years. Uh, but again, part of the idea behind the conference is to organize the darn thing and mm. then turn over chunks of the agenda directly to other Doylean organizations. Mm. So, for example, the tentative plan for our first conference involves the Conan Doyle Review owning a couple of the panels. Yeah. We don't know who's yeah. going to be on the panels. It doesn't matter who's on the panels as far <laughs> as the ACD Society is concerned. What matters is the participation of good and interested people from the ACD Society. Mm -hmm. uh, we're hoping... Uh, and I'm going to do this in the midst of an answer that almost has to appear on air, <laughs> that we're hoping that the keynote speakers will be named 
Chapman and Jones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, that's where we're where we're coming mm. from. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that the the thing that I find very uplifting about the society is the fact that it has that kind of community spirit to it. I mean, in fact. You know, looking at the strapline of the society, it's a community dedicated to studying and enjoying the works of Conan Doyle. And it's been pretty heated over the last few years in, in other circles and other fandoms about mm. gatekeeping and things like that. Um, but actually, the, the approach and the mentality here has been much more about, you know, if you're here to support and encourage and promote the work of Conan Doyle um, as a great literary figure, as a campaigner, as an uh, important public figure... You can do that in your own way, um, and we will make the connections and we will promote uh, your work uh, as much as as anybody else's. Which I think is a wonderfully warm-hearted way of approaching the the, the life of a great figure like this. I agree uh, with with that sensibility about about gatekeeping. Yeah. Uh, in fact, part of what what makes the timing of this sort of nice in a way is that. Uh, a lot of the, the gates in fandom and in academia are not things that were built by people who were trying to build, build gates. Yeah, quite. They are after effects of other cultural phenomena. But today we tend to be a bit more aware of the potential for intentionally or unintentionally building these gates and so on and so forth, which also opens the opportunity to intentionally not build the gates. Yes. Mm. And that's that's part of what we're, we aspire to with this. Yeah. And I think you can see that kind of spirit of inclusion and openness in one of the things that we wanted to talk about today, which is the the ACD Society inaugural. I can't even say it. The ACD Society inaugural honours, which took place in January. So tell us a bit about how that came about. You're spot on. That is, in some ways, the active symbol or marker of this this approach to uh, the Doylean community writ large is that we want to celebrate mm. uh, good work about Conan Doyle across the spectrum. And so uh, within you know, sort of our limited capacities and resources, we set up something that looks and quacks largely <laughs> just like traditional literary cultural honors. We have selection committees for various subjects. Uh, we have... Uh, Again, in, in the traditional academic sense, we have genuine but minuscule cash awards. <laughs> uh, uh, we have what we like to think of as attractive certificates. We mm -hmm. have a ceremony. We have all those basic structural elements that people are familiar with, are comfortable with, and recognize as facets of being taken seriously. Mm. But then the categories in which we give honors are fiction and poetry, but also scholarly writing. Uh, performing in visual arts, but also lifetime service. Yeah. Uh, and who knows how, you know, how these will evolve in the future. But we're, we're covering everything from community building to, you know, ancient and modern performance to fiction and poetry to, you know, again, to, to sort of conventional scholarship. And we are measuring them all by their own distinctive standards, but holding them all and recognizing levels of excellence in all of them. Yeah. Uh, and then in, you know, in the, the honors themselves, you have great academic work by people like Douglas Kerr, right? Mm -hmm. right next to great, clever, modern use of the Internet visual arts by Bonnie MacBird. Mm -hmm. right? uh, and uh, 
In fact, the first Lifetime Service uh, Award went to Christopher Roden, the founder of the original Arthur Conan Doyle Society. And so it's, it's, it's you know, Gretchen Altebeth for a great you know, sort of Sherlockian time travel story. So, mm. uh, so, but they're all really good work, each in their own category. And then if you look at the selection committees for each of these, they quite properly look and quack and have the, <laughs> the, the, the lovely odor, right, or whatever it is you want to say this, of, uh, of the kind of people that people receiving those honors would like to be recognized by. So we have first-rate scholars looking for good scholarship. We have first-rate writers and publishers looking for first-rate fiction and poetry, and so on and so on. Well, I was uh, lucky enough to catch up with a couple of those first-rate writers who offered their thoughts on receiving their Doylean honours. So here first up is Gretchen Altebeth, and then we'll hear from Bonnie McBird. Derek Bellinger nominated my story, Sir Arthur and the Time Machine, for the Arthur Conan Doyle Society's Doylean Honours in Fiction and Poetry. The story was published in Sherlock Holmes' Further Adventures in the Realms of H.G. Wells for Bellinger Books. I write about heroes and heroines in the art of true justice, human heroes with human abilities. Genius is a human ability. Friendship is a human ability. Love is a human ability. I write Sherlock Holmes novels. And I take great joy in adding to these heroic stories something Dr. Doyle left out, the history of the women of the day. Sir Arthur and the Time Machine is my first sci-fi short story. It is an outside-the-box experience for me. Imagining Sir Arthur Conan Doyle making use of H.G. Wells' time machine in order to solve his 19th century dilemma, chiefly a cure for tuberculosis. Doyle's travel into the future becomes an odyssey through time, and one involving his relationship to Sherlock Holmes. Derek Bellinger, on behalf of the ACD Society, sent me an email announcing my win. Indeed, I was very surprised to receive the award. I was amazed, ecstatic, overjoyed, and of course, humbled by this momentous honor. Grateful beyond measure to be so celebrated by the ACD Society, and as an author of Sherlock Holmes, it was a wonderful way to begin 2022. I was thrilled to win this award. I, I had no idea this was coming. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't even think I was going to be able to attend remotely because mm. I'm in London, but I thought I would dial in. But it happens that I was en route to my husband's doctor's appointment in a cab when the actual <laughs> ceremony was taking place. I, call, I thought I was going to miss it. I thought, oh, what the heck? I'll try and see if I can connect him through my phone. And I did. And they started talking about it. And the, the first one up was mine. And I thought they were just listing them all. I didn't realize <laughs> I'd won, you know. <laughs> I'm in the cab and I go, yay! You know? <laughs> yeah. So tell us a bit about the, the actual production for which you won. I think you can see it still now on YouTube, can't you? Oh, yes. It's, it's absolutely up on YouTube. And if you uh, search uh, Modern Major Super Sleuth, you find it. <laughs> And um, it's, uh, well, it was a concept. We, we decided to tag it on at the end for fun to a Zoom production I did of the Blue Carbuncle for the Sherlock Holmes Society of London, uh, the, their big event on, uh, in January. 
which was of course online because of the mm -hmm. pandemic. So the th I thought it would be fun, you know, to, you know, the, in the tradition of British theater where you sometimes end with a musical number <laughs> randomly, <laughs> sometimes completely unconnected to the show. So what we'll do, we'll do a little Gilbert and Sullivan. Mm -hmm. uh, and it happens that my Holmes and Watson are extremely good singers. <laughs> and uh, and then I had the concept of um, sticking Mycroft in there as well. That actor has played Javert on Broadway and national tour. Wow. Um, and the two others are pros also that have been on stage quite a lot. And I was just so lucky because not everyone can handle Gilbert and Sullivan patter songs. But what's interesting is that the three singers, Holmes, Mycroft, and Watson, are singing in their bedrooms. <laughs> 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 one in LA, and one in Chester, and one in London. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, you know, and then, we, then they're cut together and so forth. <laughs> now, sadly, neither um, Gretchen nor Bonnie could uh, make it to the ceremony in person. Uh, but I was lucky enough to be there in Manhattan and to live stream and record the event. Uh, and you can find the uh, uh, link in the show notes. And the venue was Otto Penzler's Mysterious Bookshop, one of the most celebrated venues in New York City. So, Ross, how did the uh, venue come about? Oh, my. This is, this is, this is true of, of, I think, all literary endeavors, right? is that they need friends who have more gravitas than the organizers do. <laughs> and Otto Penzler, who's the, the founder, the proprietor of the Mysterious Bookshop and the Mysterious Press and all sorts of other literary enterprises and frolics and detours of various <laughs> sorts, uh, and a, a world-class uh, collector, literary collector mm. in his own right, is a very kind and generous person and uh, a true cosmopolitan. And I asked him if uh, he would be willing to elevate this puny, at least for now, uh, <laughs> literary society by uh, letting us hold our Dolly and Honor ceremony in his shop uh, in Manhattan, in New York City. And he, not only did he say yes, uh, he, he provided coffee and donuts uh, <laughs> and set up chairs and uh, was, was a wonderful host. Yes, so the, the, the inaugural Dolly and Honors ceremony was held in one of the greatest bookshops in the world. And what could be better than that? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Uh, and uh, while I was in the Mysterious Bookshop, I was able to ask Otto about his reasons for supporting the honours and also to talk to uh, one of the judges, uh, Derek Belanger, about his experience of serving on one of the committees. I've been a Sherlockian for most of my adult life, or all of my adult life, and when Ross Davies decided that he went to start uh, this wonderful Arthur Conan Doyle Society uh, award ceremony, he came to me because we have an open house here every year for the Baker Street Irregulars and other Sherlockians, and I was so happy to bring him in because I think sometimes Conan Doyle may not get quite enough credit whereas all the credit goes to, to Watson, but he gets a lot of help from the from the agent. And so we're thrilled and, and look at the, the room was full of people who appreciate Conan Doyle. And it was just a joy to be here and to be part of the initial ceremony. Um, this is Derek Belanger from the Fiction and Poetry Committee. Um, the experience of working with an international team and reading over these stories was just it, it was excellent um most of the writing was brilliant 
Um, most of the stories were worthy of the honor and working with the committee and whittling it down and deciding which was the best three um, was was great and we you know we we very much wanted a rubric so that we kept things um, fair as we looked at the stories and you know some stories where we, we really liked them but because of certain things like maybe it was too much of a Sherlock Holmes story mm-hmm. it didn't quite quite win uh, but the three stories we um, that won we all agreed were were the three best so it, it was great um, the committee members are, are very nice. Jay Ganguly is just fantastic to work with, and I, I'm looking forward to our submissions for next year, and we're really hoping that we get some poems in there this time. What I particularly like about what, what, what you're doing with this, Ross, is, is the fact that, that there is this, this recognition of, of Conan Doyle in a wider sense. Um, it, we can all fully understand why Sherlock Holmes dominates the, the, the Sherlockian universe, but it does overshadow the other work, and, and it, it, it is great to see some recognition of that work without dismissing the Sherlockian side of it as all his work is of value and worth studying, and let's bring this stuff out of the shadows a bit. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Yeah, that's uh, uh, this gets back to something else we talked at the beginning as well. There is so much more fun to have with Conan Doyle. Mm than just the Sherlock Holmes stories without, and using just the Sherlock Holmes stories in the sense of the fact that they are a, a slice of his work, not that they mm. are somehow inferior work. They're they, they great literature in their own right, right? And they're full of all sorts of interesting stuff. Yeah, I think, uh, no, I don't think, I know for a fact that when thinking about how to formulate that that little line that's on the web, you know, the ACD Society's website about, about sort of the mission, the role of the ACD Society, uh, what was um, ringing not just in my ears, but in the ears of other people I was talking with about this, is that what the ACD Society is doing is it's visiting all sorts of places and people in, in Conan Doyle's world and stopping by Baker Street along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, in other words, I think that, that, that the ACD Society and doings of Doyle are very much kindred spirits in this. Def- definitely. Uh, we have a world of respect for Conan Doyle's work writing the Sherlock Holmes stories, and we have a blast reading them and reading pastiches and seeing the latest interpretations on film and on, on radio. But that does not take away from our, our great joy, not only with the, the popular but not as popular as Sherlock Holmes Doylean classics, the Professor Challenger work, the Brigadier Girard stuff. Mm. But there is there is so much there to be enjoyed. I, I think again, well, hopefully this will come out with 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 the work that, that you're doing is, is with reading the the, the wider Doylean sphere. Um, for instance, if you read the the, the, the the short stories with a more gothic tinge and 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 the Challenger stories, they actually enrich. If you go back to the Sherlock stories, they enrich your understanding and reading of the Sherlock stories and put them within the context of, of, of the writer himself. Oh, yes, absolutely. And they are, uh, if Bram Stoker is in some ways a gateway drug to the Gothic <laughs> and the horror for hmm. many modern readers, Conan Doyle is a gateway drug to Stoker uh, yes. or directly into hmm. that world himself. And so, yes, discovering that the guy who wrote great stories about detective fiction wrote equally great stories about other, you know, in other fields and on other themes mm. uh, is, is a way for people to expand their minds, their experiences, their, their, their joys in literature 
from what might be called a, a safe a safe Sherlockian space. Yes, yes. And that uh, appreciation of Conan Doyle as a great writer, uh, perhaps underappreciated uh, among the pantheon of great writers, is uh, something that came up in conversation with Otto and Bonnie. Well, to some degree, I don't think that there would be a pantheon of great writers if it weren't for Conan Doyle, because it is the Sherlock Holmes stories that popularized mystery fiction. Edgar Allan Poe invented it, essentially, but Conan Doyle popularized it. And if it wasn't popular, there wouldn't have been so many publishers trying to do it, so many writers trying to fill in that gap. And I think the, the, the entire genre would be much less than it, than it is now because of Conan Doyle. He's vastly underrated as a writer. I mean, he should be in the pantheon with, you know, Poe and, and Robert Louis Stevenson. I mean, he's both an adventure writer and a mystery thriller mm. writer, uh, you know, and, and I think that because he straddles those two kind of, um, and then of course he did historic fiction, but I think he's really successful stuff was in the, was the mystery and the adventure. And then Holmes, the Holmes stuff itself it, are adventures, actually. Yeah. He calls them that, you know, and, and they really are because they are filled with action. Um, you know, we have the vision of him, you know, Holmes sitting in a chair with his hands steepled and, you know, thinking of things. But and frankly, he's out there a lot. <laughs> but anyway, so Conan Doyle, back to Conan Doyle, he, he was really writing adventures that were crossed over with this other thing. Mm. Plus the fact that he's invented the single most famous literary creation of all time. Yeah. Should put him there. <laughs> Should, he's vastly underrated. And I can say that as a as a Conan Doyle emulator, somebody who's who's trying to evoke the style as much as I can in my books, um, I I've just my admiration for his what he does has grown immeasurably. I mean, it is really hard what he did. But man, he could plot. His characters were stellar. They just popped right off the page. His dialogue was better than almost anyone of his era. And, and he was considered to write cinematically, even predating cinema, because he was so visual. And that's, I think, because of his, he's an artist. His, you know, his, his father was an artist. His uncle was an artist. And because he had this artistic background, he saw, he saw the thing in, in his head, like we project a movie in our mind. You know, I'm a screenwriter, so I definitely see a movie when I'm writing, but his stuff is really so, so crisp and visual. It makes it so readable. Anyway, that stuff is underrated. You know, sometimes it's tossed off like, oh, it's cinematic, you know, it's shorthand or whatever. It's like, no, that's hard to do. The other kind of magic thing, secret magic of Arthur Conan Doyle is he has what we now call narrative drive, that mm. the thing that makes you turn the page. And it's, it's, it's really hard to quantify or qualify what that is, but it's, it's some kind of, it has to do with the plotting, it has to do with the pacing, but it also has to do with how the characters, you know, grab you by the neck and drag you in. And there's something about his writing that is, that's very hard to emulate, but is just so masterful. Otto and Bonnie there, I think, um, beautifully capture Conan Doyle's importance as a writer, which is one part, um, the most visible part of his legacy. But we often talk about him on the podcast as a, a doctor, as a campaigner, as a historian. And it seems to me that the ACD Society 
uh, with its uh, rounded view of Conan Doyle almost facilitates that broader appreciation of his life and work. Yes, that, I'm glad you see it that way. And that is a big part of what we aspire to do. If Sherlock Holmes is the wardrobe, then the ACD Society is the missing back at the end of the wardrobe. <laughs> right? uh, we're, we're not the world beyond the back, but but we're, we're a way in or, or we, we encourage that. There, there are all these things about Conan Doyle, I think, for each of us as a reader that touch us personally, that resonate with us at some level beyond appreciation of great literature because he was such a wide ranging person and such a a humane literary figure and scholar and cosmopolitan human being. Conan Doyle presents a real problem for the ivory tower <laughs> and our traditional culture because mm. the sort of the traditional literary scholar is someone who knows everything about an author. Uh, you go ahead and try to do that with Conan Doyle. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, he he is in some ways um, distinctively unsuited to traditional scholarly treatment because there's just too much of him. <laughs> not, 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 not that he's necessarily written more than some other folks, but he's written so broadly in such diverse ways, right? And then if you, if you do think you've gotten, you know, a handle on, on all of his literature, then he enters the ether. Right? What, do you, what do you do with that? Right? Uh, and, and so he's, He's hard to deal with that way. And it may well be that the very nature of the organization that the ACD Society and you all and uh, the, uh, the friends of the Conan Doyle Collection in Toronto, the, the fact that our, our work has to be so diverse and so welcoming of things that, that, that the principals don't understand and don't know very much about, <laughs> that it will create a different kind of hub in mm. a sense, a different a different kind of hotbed of, of study and appreciation than most other authors get, but that will still have enough of the same flavor to be, to be treated as seriously as Austin scholarship or Dickens scholarship mm -hmm. or what have you. Yes, yeah, so ha having established um, the, 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 the society uh, and, and the, the awards, Ross, are, are you, you happy with the, with the reaction that, that, that you've had so far? It, has it been very positive and, 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 and welcoming and, and really looks to the growth of Doylean scholarship in the future? I would say yes, and then yes again in all caps uh, for, for, a, for a couple of reasons. The first one is uh, getting something like this off the ground is to some extent a matter of just leaping and hoping that you have <laughs> enough friction with the air not to splat when you hit the ground. <laughs> And I was hoping against hope that we would have at least one nominee in each category. Mm. Uh, and it turned out to be much more than that. It turned out to be, um, in the best sense for something like this, more work than we'd expected. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, <clears throat> and it's funny, I was talking with, uh, with and I'm pleased to say this, uh, yesterday uh, with a new member of our scholarly writing committee, Maria Fleischach, mm. who uh, is you know, a, a formidable figure in her own right, talking with her about the fact that there is German language Doylean scholarship out yeah. there, right? And it's not out there. It's that we're not, we're, you know, people like us talking on, you know, an English language podcast are not necessarily exposed to that the way we should. Mm. Be. Mm -hmm. So we need to be doing more of that. So uh, did we get a great response? Yes. Did we have, did the committees have, for the most part, great fun, although of course it was work going through these things? Absolutely. Uh, 
Is there more to be done? Absolutely. And uh, in fact, in the first year, and this is something that I had no idea was going to happen. And I, I, my impression is that Jay and Derek had no idea this was going to happen. <laughs> but the interest and enthusiasm uh, among the committee members uh, for the, uh, the fiction and poetry section was such that the fiction and poetry committee members on their own generated Japanese, German, Czech, and I believe mm. French language versions of their nomination form. Wow. Mm -hmm. Just just because. Yeah. Fantastic. And the just the just because there is just because Doyle really is a global mm. um literary cultural figure. And we are we are being parochial yeah. by having an English language program. Mm. And so we are already in our second year confronting the challenge of <laughs> how do you consider nominees in languages that you don't have? Mm. And, and the main way we do that in academia traditionally is by having language and culture experts on the selection committee. And so, uh, so yes, it went, it went wonderfully in year one, uh, but it illustrated, it showed up very much just how much further we have to go. Yeah, and you'd hope as well that, that Doyle himself would be absolutely delighted with this, as as you said earlier, being a cosmopolitan figure himself, and and something Mark and I are very keen to 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 highlight is 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 the fact that he he spoke French, he spoke German, he read those languages, he he was someone who went out in the world and we, we saw there was a world out there, and would have been delighted that his own work was a worldwide phenomenon, not just limited to the Anglo-Saxon world and the English speaking world. Absolutely. Yes. So what else is coming up for the society uh, in, in the future? The, the, you mentioned about possible conference. Um, yes. But what else, is, what else is going on at the moment? Oh, golly, what else is going on at the moment? Well, at this moment, and many of these are things that I, I, I want to make this absolutely clear up front that the ACD Society is not taking credit for these things. No. Okay? That's a big part of, of what this is about, right? Is about all of us, well, you know, people who love this stuff, working together and, and just bumping into each other. Uh, but uh, we're looking forward to seeing the first issue of the, the Conan Doyle Review. The, the, yeah. uh, Ashley Polisek with, uh, with, with Mary Alcaro and Kate Bromley as the other editors uh, coming out sometime next year, I think, yeah. um, I think they're hoping, although all, all of the editors are very busy. So who knows you know, exactly what the date will be. We're looking forward to seeing that within sort of the, 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 the tiny structure of the ACD society itself. There is this, this conference we're working on. Uh, and we do have this, this postcard periodical that we publish. And last year we published the, the cover of the bound manuscript of of a fabulous story, <laughs> mm. uh, the, the terror of, of Blue John Gap, uh, with a very nice, uh, thank you very much, Paul, uh, introduction by <laughs> Thanks Paul for asking me. <laughs> uh, that was sort of the, the trigger to, um, and then, again, this is part of, I guess, how informally, how the ACD Society uh, operates and hopes to continue to operate, is that once we had that cover, and once we had someone of Paul Chapman standing associating himself with this, it was much easier to recruit Margie Deck and Nancy Holder to take responsibility for what's going to be uh, 
a unique approach to publishing a Conan Doyle manuscript, mm. which is that the uh, the color cover of those postcards over the next couple of years are going to feature over time all of the pages of the Blue John Gap manuscript, each page accompanied by commentary by at least one distinguished Doylean. So that, you know, how long will it take? You know, three, four years maybe with a couple of extra special issues of the journal to get through some of the pages. But within, within, a, within a few years, uh, a subscriber to this, this, uh, this postcard journal will have a complete full color reproduction of a Conan Doyle manuscript. And in the background, while um, Deck and Holder have been getting this underway, I've been working with them to develop a companion um, webpage for Blue John Gap that will, as they issue their pages, post those manuscript images online with longer versions of the commentary and associated links and other pictures and uh, fabulous, you know, obscure mm. illustrations uh, and on and on and on about Blue John Gap. And so, uh, so we, we have that coming down the pike. Uh, one of the things that I know at least two of the committees are talking about is the, the Doyle and Honors Committees is dividing as we anticipate growing interest and, and attention, dividing those awards into uh, more categories. So we will probably end up honoring a, a, a more um, wide ranging and diverse kinds of kinds of scholarship and, and fan work and literary work in the future. Brilliant. So, mm. so we've got stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, just a little. <laughs> and how do people get involved if they want to if they want to join the society? Okay, the easiest way to do this is uh, uh, to go to acdsociety.com. Um, and the reason it's .com is because the ACD Society really is being run on a shoestring. And at the time <laughs> we registered the, for the website, um, .com was, believe it or not, cheaper than the .org or the .edu. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, so yeah, so we're acdsociety.com. Technically, it's a division of the Green Bag, which is the nonprofit that publishes the Green Bag and so on and so forth. But basically, it's just yeah, it's just a it's just a literary society that that is squeaking by, and pretty much everything we do goes on the website for free. So again, part of not having any gatekeeping that we don't need is there's no gate to being part of this. Mm. If you want the the print edition of the postcard and sort of the other sort of material things that go with that, mm. those cost money. So we need to charge money. Mm. Uh, and um, on the website, you'll find you can you can join for, I think it's 10 US dollars a year and you get the stuff that we make in the mail. But uh, so feel free to join and pay if you want the, the material as well as the ephemeral version of the ACD Society, but you don't need to spend any money to be a part of it. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's brilliant. Mm. Well, look, Ross, it's been fantastic to talk to you. We're so delighted to have you on the podcast and it's brilliant to hear more about what the ACT Society is doing. Best luck with it in the future. Absolutely. And we hope to hear from you again and have you back on the podcast soon. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Paul. It's been uh, a real pleasure. Great fun. That's for us too. Thanks, Ross. Thanks. Bye-bye. It was lovely to hear from Ross and great to have him on the podcast. And I think uh, there's so much stuff coming down the, the, the track now from the ACD Society. There's a lot for us to all look forward to, I think. Yeah, and it's it's just wonderful to see this this 
growth of interest in 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 the the, the wider world of Conan Doyle, um, and, and long may it last. And that this this recognition uh, that 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 there was far more to this man than, than Sherlock Holmes, and Sherlock Holmes it is is always will be the centre mm. of this world. But but we do need to know more about the uh, the, the the other stuff he wrote. And and uh, as I was saying to Ross there, the way that it actually it can enhance your enjoyment of the Sherlock Holmes stories and the Sherlock Holmes milieu, reading Conan Doyle's wider works and learning, of course, more about the man himself. And we should also um, pay tribute to Ross for for being the sort of unofficial conductor of this Doylean orchestra that is the ACD Society, um, because. Uh, it it always needed somebody to get people talking so that we can we can really grow that as a as a scholarly community yes it's, it's uh, the the enthusiasm that ross has is 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 absolutely wonderful and it's it's difficult uh to to get these sort of things going uh, and it is you know to use the 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 old uh, saying it is like herding cats, quite definitely. <laughs> and and when you get somebody of enthusiasm who can assemble teams around them, and then they, in their turn, can go out and enthuse other people, it it's it's it it seems to be working working very well. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this podcast. We hope that uh, you've enjoyed the conversation with Ross today. You can find out more about the ACD Society and all the related activities on the Doings of Doyle website at doingsofdoyle.com. If you uh, would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either leaving a rating or review, which really helps other people find the podcast, or you can consider becoming a patron at patreon.com. And what have we got on the podcast next time, Paul? Next time, talking about uh, Sherlock Holmes, um, we will be investigating the mystery of the creeping man. Excellent. So we look forward to seeing you again at the next podcast. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.